It's a joy to worship with you, just to sit among you, to confess our need of the Lord's mercy and grace, to be bathed in that grace uh, through His Word to us. And we're going to open the Word uh, together again this morning. And uh, we're, we're wrapping up an Advent series that we started with the hope that is ours and the coming of the Messiah, the love of God in the arrival of this Messiah, Jesus. And last week, the peace that is ours, a peace that is certain when there is so much that is uncertain and unpredictable around us. And so this morning, we're going we're gonna to look at the joy, uh, the joys that is ours in this season all year long, and the joy that is profoundly God's uh, as, we, uh, as we go into this uh, Advent season. We're going to look at a portion of Luke chapter 2. And I, we, we've heard uh, much of Luke chapter 2. Some of you have memorized that uh, over the years. We're going to look at the text immediately following uh, the birth of Jesus. According to the law and according to the, the traditions we find in the Old Testament, uh, Jesus is circumcised eight days after he is born. And then just over a month after his birth, uh, he's brought to the temple in Jerusalem. Um, and there is a ceremony, a presentation uh, that's done there. We see an, over, an experience of overwhelming joy and peace there at the temple. Um, so you can follow along with me beginning at uh, verse 22 in Luke chapter 2. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of Him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. This is God's word to His people. Let's pray together. Lord God, You have shown us the path of life. Life in 
in you, in the living word that dwells us, that is laid open before us. And Lord, in your presence, there is fullness of joy at your right hand, pleasures forevermore. Lord, we desire to walk according to the ancient paths that is before us, according to your word. And we pray that through this word, you would conform us into the likeness of our Savior, the Lord's Christ, who has come to redeem his people. And it's that that we celebrate in this, this morning, this season, and throughout the year that you have come to rescue us. Lord, this gives us great joy. Show us that through this passage. Help us apply that in this season. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you plan on taking a vacation anytime soon, you may want to consider, uh, especially if you're going north into Canada or around Canada, you may want to consider WestJet. And I share this not because I have any experience flying with WestJet. But uh, they have some, some unique traditions, particularly around Christmas time, uh, where they like, they like to bring families together. And I think this year they, they went out and they, they did um, some commercials and they, they asked you know, people, what would bring you the greatest joy at Christmas? And it was being with family. And so while they're you know, posing this commercial, they bring in that family member, you know, like a, a soldier returning you know, and surprising the family. Well, a couple of years ago, they they set up a large Christmas box or large present in the concourse. I think it was a flight from, from Toronto to Vancouver on Christmas Eve. And once the, the folks started filling the concourse, there was a, a Santa Claus dressed in blue and it said, insert your boarding pass. And finally someone figured out, well, I'll, I'll try this and see what happens. And so... You know, a little guy comes up and puts his boarding pass in there, and ho, 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 Santa's there, and hello, Christopher, and whoa, it, it knows my name, you know, coming through the screen. And what would you like for Christmas? And says he'd like a, a train, and well, Thomas the train, will that work out? Yeah, yeah. So then another person comes up and puts in their boarding pass, and what would you like for Christmas? And big screen TV, or socks and underwear, and they, they keep everyone in the, everyone in the, and putting in their boarding passes. Well, the flight from Toronto to Vancouver is a few hours. And so all the staff from WestJet is recording this. So as soon as they get on the plane, they all go shopping or in these different locations. And when the airplane lands, they all go to the, uh, the baggage claim and the red and green lights start flashing and here come these wrapped presents. Not their luggage, but they saw their names on these presents. And one of them grabs the present and opens it up, and there's the Thomas the Train. Exactly what they asked for before they got on the plane. I thought, that's pretty cool. I mean, you, you could see just people are, are breaking down in tears of joy and delight. And the staff's walking around with cookies and welcoming them to their, their destination. So what a great picture of joy in this season. Because it is a season of joy, Right? Joy in giving something special. Joy in receiving something unexpected. You never thought, never dreamed of. Um, or just the joy in being with those that we love. Or anticipation of being with those that we love. Or, or even tears of joy. Remembering 
those that we love, the time that we've spent together in this season. What fills your heart with the greatest joy this season? What would bring the greatest smile to your face? Just overwhelming happiness. Maybe like passengers on a WestJet flight who open a gift that they thought was just something fun. Maybe it's something you never expected. And for Simeon and Anna, the tears of joy and thankfulness came at the sight of baby Jesus. The one that they had longed for, that they'd been waiting for, that they had prayed for. He's now squirming in Mary's arms. The joy of their hearts had come. So we're, we're going to spell joy this morning as we go through these verses. J-O-Y that starts with Jesus. The very reason Mary and Joseph make this, this trip, a five mile trip north to the, to the temple, is Jesus. They didn't necessarily have to go to the temple for this uh, consecration of their firstborn um, or to make these sacrifices, but they, they were close. And it's quite obvious from these verses that the Holy Spirit of God is orchestrating these events because they're, they're going to meet Simeon and Anna. This, this consecration, purification, that's what serves as the backdrop um, to the characters here that we've been introduced to. So the family goes to the temple for two reasons, really just one reason, and that's Jesus. If we were to go back, we've been working through Exodus, if we go back to Exodus 13, we read that every firstborn, whether it's firstborn animal, firstborn child, they were to be consecrated to the Lord. This meant that God had rightful claim on the life of every firstborn. And we, we know that Jesus already belonged to God. But now, in the incarnation, we see that, that he's, he's going to grow and belong to God in obedience. So Jesus is given the sign of, of the covenant and circumcision. Now he's consecrated, devoted to the Father's will. And the second reason was for Mary's purification, or to, to mark the end of, of her purification. She would have been ceremonially unclean for, um, for seven days after giving birth uh, to Jesus. And then 33 days later, we find this all in Leviticus 12, uh, sacrifices would need to be made. One, one was a burnt offering, and one was an offering of atonement. So Joseph and Mary, obedient to the law of God, um, and yet we know that they're, they're poor. They offer birds as sacrifices, which was very acceptable um, instead of a young lamb. But it really highlights the, the humble state and the conditions which Jesus was born into. And the riches, the gifts that, that were brought by the Magi, they likely not, they're not shown up yet. Um, Jesus is only about 40 days old at this point. But the sacrifices, they should catch our attention. I want us to think about those for a second. Particularly the sacrifice of atonement. We said that the consecration and purification are about Jesus. So you think, how is purification, Mary's purification, and the required sacrifice for atonement really about Jesus? Normally, uh, the woman had to offer this sacrifice because her child was born in sin. 
sin inherited from Adam. But that's not the case for Jesus. He's sinless. He's the second Adam. No sin in Him. He's the radiance of the glory of God. The Word made flesh. So no atonement is necessary for Jesus. But the Apostle tells us that God made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us. So Jesus had come to take our sin upon Himself, not because He needed atonement for sin, but because you and I do. So this this shedding of blood, the shedding of blood that comes with the circumcision and the sacrifices identifies Jesus with His people and pictures what He came to do for His people. So joy begins here. Joy begins with Jesus because He identifies with us, with humanity. So He knows the the pain, He knows the hardship, He's chosen to enter into that. And to do something about it. So, so consider that in the season. What, what, what's going on in your own life, maybe in this last year, in this last week. Whatever you have done, whatever has been done to you. As we rest in Christ, the sinless one who has come to reconcile us to God, then the joy we celebrate at Christmas, the greatest joy that could ever be experienced by humanity, that is ours. And it's, it's a deep, it's a, it's a lasting joy of being known, of being loved by God. And we know happiness comes and goes. Certainly experience that. But the joy of knowing and trusting a Savior who can identify with us, who loves us enough to take our sin upon Himself, That's a gift we can never get enough of. We can't stop opening that one without tears of joy. You can almost see the the, the tears of joy on Simeon's face. We don't know how old Simeon was. We don't know really anything else about him other than what we read uh, in this passage. But he's likely in that same generation as Anna. He's, He's been around a while. He's been faithfully waiting for the Anointed One. One who would bring justice, restore Israel. Now after all this waiting, he sees Him. Can you just imagine this? You probably can. If, you know, as a parent or grandparent, you see that child for the first time. Or maybe you've waited years and years and now that adoption is finally complete and you see the child for the first time. What do you do almost instinctively? You want to hold that little one, right? So grateful. You want to to hold them close. Now, typically, we wouldn't hand over an infant child to a complete stranger. It's not not likely that Mary and Joseph knew Simeon prior to this encounter uh, in the temple. But there's something about the... Just the way he approaches them, the timeliness of his presence, something about his spirit, which we know is walking in step with the Holy Spirit, that moved them to, to hand their baby son to this man. And Simeon blesses the Lord. Lord, now, now I can go. I've seen the Lord's Christ. Um, you know, Simeon's consolation is not for the political hopes of Israel. 
or even, even deliverance from the enemies that surrounded them at that time. His consolation was the salvation that Jesus brought with him. Look at what the prophet Isaiah says. The glory of the Lord would be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. A light would come and a glory would rise upon the people. Simeon is holding that light. He is holding the glory in his arms. And this is what gives him great peace and joy. Then we have one of the most devout prayer warriors in the New Testament coming onto the scene. Uh, prophetess Anna spent most of her time in worship at the temple. Uh, maybe she was returning about the time that she normally would uh, during the day. She rejoices when she sees Jesus. Uh, we're not sure if, if Anna was 84 years old or she'd just been a widow for 84 years old or 84 years. That would have put her more around 100. But she too had been waiting a long time, devoting herself to God faithfully for so many years, and now what she had been waiting for was there. She had reason to celebrate. She rejoices, gives thanks to God. So both Simeon and Anna long for the coming kingdom. And in Jesus, their longing, their waiting, their praying was answered. Ordinary people, they really are. Ordinary people who have walked faithfully with the Lord. And I think are really great examples of faithfulness. It's a wonder how God uses ordinary people like Simeon and Anna and shepherds and fishermen, carpenters, to do extraordinary things in history. They waited on the Lord, trusted him to fulfill His promises. And that's us. We, we must wait in faith for what God has promised. We must follow in obedience when it requires us to wait, sometimes for a very long time. Maybe an undetermined amount of time. Are you in a, are you in a period of waiting right now? I mean, we're all waiting in a very big way. We're waiting for the return of the king, waiting for his kingdom to come in full on earth as it is in heaven. But in the meantime, we wait for other things. Maybe we wait for that job or the big break to come. We're, we're counting off the weeks towards retirement. Waiting to really be mobile or move around again after an, an illness or a surgery. The Lord knows our waiting. He's sovereignly caring, orchestrating, knowing our hopes will be satisfied. You know, I've mentioned before the imprisonment of Samuel Rutherford in Scotland. And I'm, I'm growing more and more convinced that the Lord removed him from the pulpit to give him a little more time with the pen and paper. But to encourage his, his congregation, friends, to faithfulness, he wrote in one letter, the duties are ours and events are God's. The duties are ours and events are God's. God, God will move in the events around us. He'll work in our lives personally, but, but the duties of discipleship are ours. To remain faithful in worship, in prayer, in fasting, in waiting, confident that He will Show us His glory at the appointed time. 
So Jesus is the very beginning, source of joy. And if that's the case, then joy in Jesus must be shared with others. Um, and that's, uh, now you have the O in joy. Simeon's joy in, in seeing Jesus, he blesses the Lord, and then he turns to his parents and blesses them. And we don't know exactly what this blessing included, but to be the chosen parents of Christ. And just to marvel with Mary and Joseph at all of this. And then Simeon speaks a word to Mary, likely with Joseph there at her side. And Mary, Mary gets a glimpse here of, of the mission of Jesus. It wasn't going to be all roses for her son. And she knew this baby was special. The angel Gabriel had already passed that along at the announcement. But now she hears that the road ahead is going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. Marveling at Jesus, but also His mission. Those things go together. At 40 days old here, we, the cross is in the background. And why Jesus had to come. There, there would be those who look to Jesus in their, in their need and those who would reject Him. And it's quite possible that God is using these words from Simeon just to prepare Mary for what is ahead. It's a sword that pierces her, her heart. Simply could simply mean the sadness and pain from seeing her son rejected by so many. But could also mean that, that she too would have difficulty and truly believing who her son is, why he had to come. But the joy of Jesus' coming, which is accompanied by that, that mission, it is shared with others by Simeon. Anna, she has a similar response. You see it there in verse 38. And coming up at the very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting. Joy starts with Jesus and, and giving thanks to God for his coming. And then it's shared with others. Come, come and see the redemption of Israel. Share in my joy. I mean, if Anna could dance at 84, she's cutting a rug right here. Her prayer had been answered. So both Simeon and Anna, they share this joy with others. This baby is a light to the nations. Look, look to him and be saved. Is that our message at Christmas throughout the year? Are we still surprised and amazed at the incarnation, the joy of Jesus and of His mission that we need to share that with others? And we've, we've done that this last week. And I'd, I'd like to you know, reiterate what's already been said a thousand times over and all the little pieces that came together um, for the nativity. A beautiful message heard by almost 60 people who didn't have any regular connection with the church. They heard the message of joy that comes with Christ. Now here, if, if, we're, expecting, if we're expecting everyone to, to, to smile, respond positively, and to share in this joy, then we're not likely to share it very much. Because this Jesus is as he grows and fulfills his mission, it will expose the thoughts and intentions of men's hearts. 
Jesus is not just a part of salvation. He's not just a piece of it. He is salvation itself. So all that anyone ever needs, all that you'll ever need to be saved is Him and found in Him. And that message right there, that will cause the rise and fall of many, as Simeon says. Many are just going to be scandalized by a salvation that comes only through the suffering of a Savior. So, so the joy of Jesus will be suppressed, it will be drowned out or opposed. Church, we need to remember that when, when, when folks are opposed to Christians, when they just recoil at the inner joy that comes in the face of all the mess of life, it's most often because they are opposed to Christ. They're offended at this baby lying in a manger because of who he is and what he came to do. Now sometimes they're offended because Christians are mean and say hurtful things or critical. They sin just like others. But most often it is it's the power and the, rede- the, the redeeming presence of the Lord's Christ that offends them. You know, for, the, for the few people that did stop in these last few days this week, there are hundreds more that just drove right by for all sorts of reasons, like going to see the lights or going home. But how many have really considered the darkness that they are in and can expect if not for the true light of the world. So that, that's the tension that we can expect also, even as we share the joy that, that really defines this season. The joy that only grows the longer we wait. I really appreciate the thoughts of another pastor on the demeanor of Christians as we wait to see Jesus. He says that Christians will feel the fallenness of the world most keenly because they know what God created the world to be. And yet Christians also have an unquenchable, infallible assurance in the end. Everything will be joy and glory. So how else can we act? Sad, but not hopeless. Afflicted, but not crushed. Weeping, but always rejoicing. May that be the joy that others see in us. Okay, we have one more letter. Jesus, others, you. Simon and Anna were, were faithful through the seasons of life, called to wait, to pray, to look forward to their redemption. They, they lived, lived out the joy of knowing God, seeking Him. But again, all we know, know of them is right here in Luke 2. A few verses that in, in the whole space of redemptive history, really a, a very minuscule amount of time, Actually, nothing in the grand scheme of things. Yet they wait on the Lord. I think we can, we can take so much from that, but you're trying to make things happen in our own way. We grow impatient. We try to help God out just a little bit, even if it means compromising what would most honor Him along the way. One, one example, I think, of, of Jacob and his wife Rachel in Genesis chapter 30. Now, Rachel was unable to have children and because of her jealousy and envy of Leah, well, she tells Jacob to have children uh, by her slave. And it starts this whole 
mess of childbearing, which is not pleasing to the Lord. We see how God uses this mess to give Jacob 12 sons, but it happened through impatience, fornication. But here in Luke 2, Mary and Joseph, Simeon and Anna, rest in God's ways and demonstrate faithfulness to His Word. So my prayer is that you and I could be described this way. In a, in a very, what appears to be an insignificant space in time. And we know even with the, the Lord, a, a thousand years are but a day. Soon you and I will be gone. But God calls us to faithfulness right here, right now, and to find our joy in Him. So do you find your joy in the things of this world as it is, or as it will be? I know for many of us, in God's providence, there's more of life behind us than there is ahead. Like for Simeon and Anna, your joy is shifting more and more to that which will be. You can rejoice. You can rejoice even as you wait just one more day. That's why you're here. Jesus, others, you. So the love of God produces great joy in us, but we're not the only ones celebrating. We're not the only ones rejoicing. The prophet Zechariah says, the Lord God rejoices over His people with gladness. He sings over us. He sent Jesus so that we could be adopted as His very own. That He wanted you. He came after you. It was for the joy that was set before Him that, Jesus, that, that carried Jesus to the cross. That you could be His own when it was all finished. And I watched a, a couple walk into a video of a couple walking into a nursery where their adopted son was sleeping. They'd been waiting, praying for nine years. They finally saw this little one. And through tears of joy, they, they picked up this baby. And the nurse asked, you know, what, what is his name? The tag just said, baby boy. No identity, no name, no family. And the new dad said, his name is Jacob. So now, now he had a new identity. He had a new family, known by name. Our father knows you by name. He says, you belong. You have a family. I take great joy in you. Jesus is our joy. We can't help but, but to share that joy with others. But we must never forget the delight that the Father has in us. He sings over us. He sings over His beloved children. So Jesus, Jesus is the focus, the very source of our joy. There's good reason to celebrate this time of year, all year. Good reason to rejoice. God is with us. Salvation has come. The joy of the Lord of seeing Christ. I mean, that was Simeon and Anna's hope fulfilled. Their message to all peoples. May that be our message as well. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we exalt You. Our hope, our peace, our love, and our joy in this season of waiting and expectation. Or we may be waiting 
for all sorts of things. But one thing is sure, we are waiting for your second advent. That your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we are certain of this day. For the tomb did not hold you. Death could not constrain you. You have defeated it once and for all. And so you come in in meekness and humility, infant holy, infant lowly, and you will return with majesty and glory and splendor. No one will miss it. Lord, fill us with a deep and lasting joy that is found only in you. It's in Christ that we pray. Amen.